Welcome to the Apologia Podcast, the audio-only archive of the Apologia YouTube channel. Note that some content was designed to go with visuals, but the imagination can be a powerful thing. If you enjoy the podcast, please consider giving it a 5-star rating on the podcast app you're using now to help us reach more people. Or, since this endeavor is ad-free, consider going a step further and supporting us for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash apologia. But for now, let's get to the episode. Part of the Evolution Exposed Exposed series, recorded November 2nd, 2021, titled No Lives Matter to Evolutionists, featuring Cynthia McDonald. We are putting on a conference called Evolution Exposed. We pulled in experts on the subject of evolution for a total of 11 speakers and gave them just 15 minutes to give us their best. And on top of all that, a one-hour Q&A panel session. You're going to love Evolution Exposed. Anyone can refute evolution. You to the zoo, to me and you. Call that a fairy tale. Not allowed to ask questions. It made evolution look ridiculous. That was the foolishness of atheism. I yeah. knew I was going to get corrected. No, I wasn't even listening to your answer. <laughs> this guy might be coming for you. Welcome to Apologia, and another installment of Evolution Exposed, Exposed. Our claim-by-claim -claim investigation of the Creation All-Star Mega Seminar. If you'd like to catch the series from the beginning, tap on the playlist above my head. Next up in the cavalcade of speakers was Mark Spence, Senior Vice President of Ray Comfort's Living Waters Team, Dean of an Online School of Biblical Evangelism, and co-host of Way of the Master. He's not a scientist by trade, but let's see how Mark is going to expose evolution. Let's start off by saying black lives only matter within a Christian worldview. Did I step on toes? I don't know about toes, but you definitely stepped in something, Mark. Because if evolution is true, then why do black lives matter? Think about that for a moment. I am thinking, why is Mark Spence conflating evolution with black lives matter? Maybe he doesn't have a good understanding of either. It would seem. We are nothing but evolved pond scum. That's not exactly what evolution teaches. Mark is speaking of the primordial soup theory that has been mostly accepted for the past 90 years. Primordial soup or prebiotic soup is the hypothetical set of conditions present on the earth around 4 to 3.7 billion years ago. It is a fundamental aspect to the heterotrophic theory of the origin of life, first proposed by Alexander O'Perrin in 1924 and John Burden Sanderson Haldane in 1929. But there are scientists that continue to study the origins of life on Earth that say how living cells evolved, the ability to obtain energy is not sufficient enough with primordial soup theory. Needless to say that this science is still being studied and other hypotheses are emerging like conventional theory. It is worth further reading. Where evolution would teach us that you are here because you came from goo to you by way of the zoo. From goo to you by way of the zoo. That's a clever bar. Perhaps Mark should think about participating in the next rap battle versus. If evolution is true, then black lives don't matter, and white lives don't matter, and Asian lives, and preborn and elderly lives. It's not all lives matter if you're an evolutionist, but rather 
no lives matter. Nothing matters if evolution is true. If evolution is true, then there's no difference between a man who kills his dog to feed his starving son or a man who kills his son to feed his starving dog. This is a strange example because both men would be ending one life in order to continue another life. They obviously both think that life matters and should continue. From the very first sentence of this car ramble, Mark set up that he's going for a shock value. So here's just yet another. He wants a visceral reaction for choosing a dog over a child. But evolution provides a much more satisfactory answer to this instinct. It is a survival advantage for a species to extend greater empathy towards their own kind than to others. It is a biological brute fact that life requires a balance of selfishness and selflessness to continue. But Christianity wants to take that self-preservation instinct and wrap it in a robe of special creation justification to validate any human-centric action. Mark and others like him want to argue that if evolution doesn't treat humans as special, then he doesn't want it to be true. And therefore it isn't true. But that's not how truth works. Truth doesn't care about your feelings or visceral hypotheticals. Because there's no meaning of life if you're an evolutionist. Now you can have preferences, but your preference is merely an ice cream flavor. You like chocolate, I like vanilla. Not sure about that one, Mark. I know some people who will fight over ice cream flavors. Besides, strawberry is clearly the best. If evolution is true, then George Floyd's life doesn't matter. Just his death. George Floyd, right? This is that 46-year-old black male who died at the hands of a white cop in Minneapolis, Minnesota. I am not sure if Derek Chauvin was an evolutionist or not when he leaned on George Floyd's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds. I am not sure if the cops with him that were preventing people from stopping him were evolutionists either. I don't remember the cause of Floyd's death due to a debate about evolution of man when he left a store whose clerk accused him of paying for his goods with a counterfeit $20 bill. I am still looking in the transcripts for that one. Maybe Mark knows something I don't. You know, we've been listening to our government here in the United States tell us since the end of March that only essential jobs matter. Now, when you tie up, when you equate somebody with their job, and that's really what we do here in America. The government and other media sources were speaking about essential jobs a lot at the onslaught of the pandemic. The primary reason was because people in essential jobs are public facing and cannot do their jobs from home. This makes them more susceptible to possible COVID infection because they don't have the luxury of staying in their houses or apartments. This is not equating somebody with their job and considering if they matter or not. And you say that their job doesn't matter. Well, then you're telling people that they don't matter. Mark seems to be conflating protecting a job with protecting a life, putting the two on the same level of priority. Agree with the strategy or not, when the government was mandating that so-called non-essential workers stay home, the motivation was to protect the lives of those people. The government was prioritizing life over livelihood. If anything, it was the lives of the essential workers whom the government was giving less consideration. 
asking them to incur risk because of their occupation. They weren't getting a special favor, as Mark seems to think. Evolution teaches instrumental value, right? George Floyd had instrumental value in his death. But only within the Christian worldview do we say, no, it's not about instrumental value. To me, it seems that Mark is assigning more stances to evolution or evolutionists than what there seems to be. Again, is Mark more aware of any evolutionist that made any statements pertaining to the instrumental value of George Floyd's death only? I believe that Mark is trying to state that in the Christian worldview, life doesn't have just instrumental value, but intrinsic value too. Instrumental value is the value that something has as a means to a desired or valued end. Something's instrumental value fluctuates based on changes in the desirability of the end to which it is a means and whether alternative, more efficient means are available. Intrinsic value is the value that an entity has in itself for what it is. The problem with this statement that Mark makes is that both values, instrumental versus intrinsic, are completely subjective. A Christian worldview is not always subject to automatically assigning intrinsic value to a person, no more than a non-Christian automatically assigning instrumental value to a person. I would even suggest that people who are non-Christian or even an evolutionist would assign intrinsic value to a person without a Christian worldview telling them to. An evolutionist is a person who believes in theories of evolution and natural selection. It is a word used almost exclusively by creationists to identify an outgroup. There aren't special words for gravityist or germist or speed of lightist. I look forward to a day when the word evolutionist is obsolete. Being an evolutionist does not preclude someone from practicing other religions or belief systems. Even if it is a set of beliefs or principles they develop that are of their own. I would suggest that other belief systems that have some golden rule underpinnings would press that all life is valuable. As I stated before, that is not an idea that only exists to Christians. This is a notion that is held by practices like Buddhism, Hinduism, and in other philosophies. So to say that only within the Christian worldview do we say, no, it's not about instrumental value only, would be imprecise and faulty. In fact, it can be argued that the message of Christianity is that life on earth is worthless compared to forever in heaven, and therefore nothing here matters. That was the Christian hope used to keep slaves in check for centuries. No, it is the person who accepts that this life is the only one we know about for sure, who treats this life as the most precious thing we have. It's only instrumental value, so therefore George Floyd's death is the only thing that matters. His life did not matter. Within a Christian worldview, it's not an instrumental value. George Floyd's death is paving the way for an unbalanced revolution for a supposed marginalized people who've been approved, uh, oppressed by a different people group. Supposed marginalized people is a dog whistle to me. Supposed means generally assumed or believed to be the case, but not necessarily so. 
So inserting the word suppose next to marginalized people right after speaking on George Floyd is implying that the people who share the race of George Floyd are assumed to be marginalized, but not necessarily so. This raises a question that if Black Lives Matter only in a Christian worldview, yet and still Black people are supposed marginalized and approved or oppressed by a different group of people, do Black lives really matter in Marx's Christian worldview? Well, it could be argued that the supposed marginalized group mattering in the Christian worldview really does not. In the book, White Too Long, Robert Long, who is also the founder and CEO of PRRI, the Public Religion Research Institute, speaks on the long history of racism that was practiced and often instituted in the white Christian church, along with the government. The Southern Baptist Convention, second largest Christian denomination and founded in 1845, was based on a split between the North and the South over slavery. Basil Manley Sr., a prominent pastor, politician, and slave owner, was a staunch defender of the Institute of Slavery and often preached that the institution was biblically sound and those who practiced said institution was in the right. He actually wasn't in error. Just read the Old Testament and some of Paul's epistles. You know, the authenticated ones. Joseph E. Brown, one of the founders of the SPC, a former Whig and a firm believer in slavery and Southern's rights, Brown was a leading secessionist in 1861 and led his state into the Confederacy, exploiting most black laborers in his coal mines in Georgia. He used the same brutal punishments once practiced by slave drivers. Racist rhetoric continued from this body, even during the Civil Rights Movement. Montgomery's most prominent pastor, Henry Lyon Jr., gave a fiery speech before the local White Citizens Council, denouncing the civil rights protesters and the cause for which they were beaten from a Christian perspective. Quote, Ladies and gentlemen, for 15 years, I have had the privilege of being pastor of a white Baptist church in this city, Lyon said. If we stand 100 years from now, it will still be a white church. I'm a believer in a separation of the races, and I am nonetheless a Christian. The crowd applauded. If you want to get in a fight with the one that started separation of the races, then you come face to face with your God, he declared. The difference in color the difference in our body, our minds, our life, our mission upon the face of this earth is God-given, end quote. Even to this day, in public opinion polls, a clear pattern has emerged. White Christians are consistently more likely than whites who are religiously unaffiliated to deny the existence of structural racism. Surveys conducted by PRRI in 2018 found that white Christians, including evangelical Protestants, mainline Protestants, and Catholics, are nearly twice as likely as religiously unaffiliated whites to say the killings of black men by police are isolated incidents rather than part of a pattern of how police treat African Americans. And white Christians are about 30 percentage points more likely to say monuments to Confederate soldiers are symbols of Southern pride rather than symbols of racism. 
white Christians are also about 20 percentage points more likely to disagree with this statement. Generations of slavery and discrimination have created conditions that make it difficult for blacks to work their way out of the lower class. And these trends generally persist even in the wake of the recent protests for racial justice. So if saying Black Lives Matter only in a Christian worldview for said supposed marginalized group, it really doesn't seem to fit in the white Christian worldview at all. Think about that for just a moment. We live in a godless society that claims to hunger and thirst for righteousness and for truth, but they don't like the taste of it when it is served up. Within an evolutionary mindset, they are searching for truth while they sit in darkness. I hate to bring it up to Mark that even the claim that God is true is just a claim. There is no methodology that one can exercise that points conclusively to God's existence. Even if it did, the next question would be, which God? Since where you were born in the world will largely shape one's perception of a God or multiple gods. Also, there are no claims that one who believes or accepts evolution are searching for truth claims to hunger and thirst for righteousness. That is a Christian claim substantiated by the Bible in Matthew 5, 6, which is part of the Beatitudes or the Sermon on the Mount. Mark is trying to capitalize on moral intuitions, but in honest observation, we see it is not righteousness that creatures thirst for. They search for fairness, for comfort, for pleasure, to avoid pain, to pass on genes to a next generation. And because we need others to achieve these things, to some extent, we will want some level of prosperity for others as well. These are selfish desires wrapped in the guise of righteousness because we all find ways to internally justify our actions. The only thing that comports with one who has an evolutionary mindset and truth is to gather more data concerning the origins of life, which scientists who are in said field already do. I'd rather use this idea concerning truth to use the scientific method than to make assertions that can't quite be substantiated. And they're not seeking after God, for there's none who seek after God. And the good news of the gospel is that God seeks after man. If evolution is true, then only George Floyd's death matters. But if scripture is true, then not only his death, but his life. Well, Mark, if God seeks after man, then why couldn't God seek to stop Derek Chauvin from pressing his knee on George Floyd's neck and murdering him? Maybe God was too busy seeking after something else that day. Scripture claims that we perhaps do not all have an instrumental value. And if we don't have an instrumental value, well, then what makes us valuable? It's really simple. We have an intrinsic value. You are valuable, whether you're heterosexual or homosexual, whether you believe in evolution or intelligent design with creationism. You are valuable for one reason, because you've been created in the image of God. It sounds like Mark is saying we have an intrinsic value, whether you believe in evolution, intelligent design, or whether you are heterosexual or homosexual. So all lives matter, especially in Christianity. Yay, God, you are accepted. I guess we should all do a dance now. 
The problem that we are see seeing here is that people are going to come up with new laws to try to maintain order, but laws are not the answer. The only solution to today's problem is Jesus Christ and him crucified. Ah, so here is the crux of the argument. There should not be any new laws to quell police misconduct or racism because the answer is Christ. Yes, this sounds quite answers in Genesis-y. Let's keep the status quo even though the status quo doesn't work for everybody. I think Mark is completely dismissing that in a 2020 survey by the Pew Research Center, 65% of adults in the United States identify themselves as Christian. The United States has the largest Christian population in the world and, more specifically, the largest Protestant population in the world with nearly 205 million Christians and, as of 2019, over 141 million affiliated with the Protestant churches. Although other countries have higher percentages of Christians among their populations. I'd argue that Christ is already here, but adequate laws to regulate behavior are not. Not wanting to misrepresent him, but it seems that Mark's Christian worldview is right up there with the white one. Again, that raises the question to him. If this is your worldview, does Black Lives Matter? I can't really say that it does. Mark used the rest of his 15 minutes to give a gospel presentation in typical Living Waters style. If you've somehow never heard of Christianity before and are interested to hear what it's about, feel free to find their YouTube channel for more. But that has nothing at all to do with evolution, so no need to cover it here. If you're not familiar with Cynthia, you can find her co-hosting the ACA's Nonprofits show, but she's also the author of a blog and is a speaker and advocate on issues of health, slavery reparations, and so much more. Check out her links in the description and tell her that Apologia sent you. Next time on Evolution Exposed Exposed, we get to this creationist who you may have heard of. One Ken Ham. Uh, well, I'm here at the Ark Encounter, and you can see the Ark Encounter behind me. Wait, is it Kernham? Have I been saying it wrong all these years? <laughs> Let's find out. And I'll see you over there. The end. Later. Later.